Welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of the hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm Charles Sheelan, the other host. And today we're starting the third and final book of the Hunger Games trilogy, Mockingjay. As we like to tell you every week, we're a book club podcast with the Nerd Party Network, and we're reading and rereading young adult books and sharing them with each other. And this episode begins the third book of our fifth series of the show. And this is the second half of our episodes on Panem, because after Mockingjay, we're going to spend two weeks on the prequel novel that came out in summer of 2020. Yeah, we normally alternate between series that one of us has read and the other hasn't, so you get to hear our different perspectives. And we made an exception this time to read the Hunger Games series, because both of us have read and engaged with the Hunger Games quite a bit, and we love the series. And it's just been not disappointing at all to reread. It's been just awesome, actually. Yes, we love the Hunger Games, and this book is a little different because... We are at war rather than prepping for an arena, and we're thrilled to dive into it today. So Charles is on summary duty for this series, so he's going to go ahead and recap the first half of Mockingjay for us now. And I should have said earlier, I am still out of town on a work trip. So once again, if my audio is messed up, it's 100% my fault. Yes. I know, and I have another trip planned, and Asia's like just mad at me because... I mess up the audio, and I'm sorry about that. Anyway, I'll do the summary now. So Katniss wakes up in District 13, where the remainder of District 12 has been integrated since the end of the quarter quell. President Coyne, Plutarch, and the others are trying to make Katniss into the public Mockingjay, the face of the rebellion, and that's something she's pretty reticent to do. She's already having a pretty hard time adjusting to 13 and being the Mockingjay. And then Gale is not as supportive as he really should be. And then most importantly, Peta is still being held by the capital, which is obviously affecting Katniss. We have some rebellion skirmishes and a lot of drama. And then finally, the team in 13 extracts Peta, Annie, and Joanna from the capital for Katniss and Finnick. But it turns out that Peta has been hijacked to hate Katniss. Katniss then leaves to the front lines in District 2 as the rebellion inches closer to the capital. And that's where we finished. Just diving into my first impression of the reading, and this is a confession of mine, that I was either blind or dumb or unaware when I first read this, but the faults of 13 are much more clear reading now than they were when I first read this in eighth grade. And like, maybe I did see them, but like, I have words for them now. And I think maybe we can talk about this more at the end, but at the book or the end of the series, but the flaws of the capital are like the excesses of capitalism. Like, Wealth inequality, people having unreal, like, spending money and other people ending up, like, just being abused by the system. That's capitalism. And then 13 is the flaws of communism. Like, everyone is being treated equally, but, like, it's, like, so regimented that, like, one, people obviously want to escape that and they want to have certain special privileges. And also, like, it's not exactly, like, a life worth living. And so neither of these systems is sustainable or, like, agreeable. And I think we'll talk about them more as it goes on. But, Asia, what about you and your impressions? Yeah, I definitely feel like I didn't notice as much, like, from the very beginning how bad District 13 is, especially with President Coyne and just, like, all the red flags with her of, like, 
she just seems a little too power hungry to be just fighting for, you know, equality and stuff. It kind of seems like she also wants power, which, you know, I feel like the first time you read it, like we figured that out maybe by the end, but just there's so many like foreshadowing that in the beginning that I feel like you can notice more as rereading the story as opposed to reading it for the first time. But I also totally forgot just how involved Gail and Katniss get in this book, like romantically. And maybe that's why, maybe it's because I just, you know, like we said, we're Team PETA here. And I just blocked this from my memory because it's very annoying. And Gail is really annoying in this book. Like, I, I always was like, like, we've started to kind of compare him to Jacob Black from Twilight, but, like, I never actually thought he was on the same level. But maybe it's just because I misremembered the book because, like I said, we'll talk about it later, but he's just really annoying. And honestly, he's just taking advantage of Katniss's grief for PETA to, like, get closer with her, which is just terrible. So, but we'll get into that later on. Yeah. No, I think that we should definitely get into it, you know once we get to it but i think that you're totally right that that's yeah both district 13 being bad and gail's involvement are totally things that like i forgot that i definitely didn't pick yeah. up on when i first read it but anyway let's dive in so we have katniss adjusting to 13 and we find out that one 13 is not sustainable like they really need the 12s to come in because they need the new genetic stock and most importantly, we find out that 13 was actually not burned at all. They made a deal with the Capitol that they would act like they were destroyed so that neither side would end up using nuclear weapons, which just feeds into the very Cold War analogy that I was creating. Well, Suzanne Collins was creating. I was just labeling like Pan Am is capitalist America, 13 is communist Russia, and both of them in the Cold War were just like, ooh, who's going to blow each other up with nuclear weapons first? If we just hold out for long enough, maybe it'll be sustainable. Well, anyway, obviously 13 not being destroyed rubs Katniss the wrong way. And we do get the sad confirmation that Cinna died in torture, but we don't know what happened to Madge, which I'm pretty sure if I remember, like, I don't think we're ever going to get an answer about this, which I don't think so. I think is really sad because, like I said, obviously her character is completely left out of the movies, but she kind of played a a semi-big role in the series, the book series. And, like, she was essentially Katniss's best friend besides Gail, like, her only real female friend who's not family. Actually, she was Katniss's really only friend in Catching Fire because Gail's being a total meanie because he's like, you just want to be with Peta. And then Peta's like, oh, my God, she doesn't love me. And so Madge is, like, her only friend in Catching Fire. But, but yeah, whatever. so it's just kind of sad because, I mean, we can probably just assume that they probably died. And if they don't, if, they ha if they're not already dead, like, if they weren't killed in District 12 and they did go to the Capitol, they were probably killed in the war. Like, you know what I mean? Because, obviously, you would think that if Suzanne Collins wanted to bring her back up and have her survive, she would have mentioned her. Which, from what I remember, I don't think we're going to get any more of her. Which is just sad for an ending and something that I wish we'd know more totally. about. But we also find out that Bonnie and Twill from Catching Fire, the ones from District 8, they did not make it to 13, which I said that's probably also why I just didn't remember them at all because they only serve that purpose in Catching Fire of kind of exposing Katniss to the actual rebellion. Yeah, but someone who does make it is Buttercup the cat. So Katniss brings him back to 13 and he gets permission to live in 13. And he actually ends up getting special treatment during the lockdown. I know that's jumping ahead. <laughs> 
was like when they get the extra batteries for the flashlight to entertain people, like, wow, they were really desperate for entertainment. And 13 is really dull because it's capitalist 13, uh, communist 13. I mean, they also literally live underground, so I'm sure that's not very exciting at all. But Charles's cat, CJ, also loves her laser pointer, so I can imagine how entertaining that actually is. And for a place that has, like, no TV or probably even really, like, books and stuff, like, nothing to really entertain themselves, I could see why they'd be kind of dying for something to watch. (laughs) Just pass some time. But... Diving kind of back into the meat and potatoes of the episode, the admin of the rebellion, they want Katniss to be the Mockingjay, so she decides that she's going to come up with a list of demands, which she's inspired by this because Prim actually is the one to kind of remind Katniss and tell her, you know, you're obviously really important to the like rebel movement, so like you should come up with some things that you want them to do for you if you're going to work for them. And Katniss specifically obviously wants to make sure that they're not going to hurt PETA because since he's been he's been captured by the Capitol, he's had to say some things that like he calls for a ceasefire and obviously he's being tortured and stuff. So it's like she doesn't want him to be held accountable for things he said. And she also calls for Joanna and even Enobaria, the one from District 2, to be pardoned at the end of the war if the rebels win for anything they've said because ultimately they're also all victims of the capital and they can't be held accountable for their words or actions as prisoners of the capital, which I just totally agree with that. And I think it would be ridiculous. Also, red flag, because President Coyne's like, no, they're like part of the capital. They'll be tried with the rest of like the the bad people, basically. And I'm like, but they're also victims. Like they were literally kidnapped. They're prisoners of war. Yeah. That's exactly what I wrote down. I was like, if these are prisoners of war, I literally wrote that down. And if the capital is so unjust and deserves to be like destroyed, then like, I think that we need to give some leniency to their prisoners of war. Like, I, I like, duh. Yeah. Total red flag for coin that she's like, they will be tried by the courts of district 13. Like, yeah, honey. No. Anyway, I think that, why don't you take over because there's something that comes up next that I also didn't remember. Yes. I also forgot this. So we find out that Katniss's prep team from the Capitol has been locked up, which like they pretty much Katniss and Plutarch and Plutarch assistant, like they kind of find them by accident and they've been chained up. And I remember I was like, what? Like I didn't remember this at all, but Basically, the reason they had been locked up is obviously capital citizens are used to having an excess. Like we talked about in Catching Fire, how at the parties they would drink like laxatives or whatever, basically like something to make them throw up so they could keep eating. So and obviously in District 13 with Illinois, like it's very communist, like everybody has a very set amount of food they're allowed to eat based off of their height, their weight, their age. So like they're getting much they're getting way less food than they're used to. And I guess, I don't know, like they must, they were trying to steal bread, which is like a big no-no. So they were locked up and left like to sit in their own waste, like just treated completely inhumanely for stealing bread. Like. And they hadn't told Katniss that her prep team was even there. Like. Yeah. It was, I forgot this happened too. 
And it was very clear that they were being punished for being capital citizens rather than for their actual crime of stealing bread. And it turns out that, like, Cinna specifically requested her team to be saved so that she could be with her team. And then we also have the sketchbook that... So we have a lot of proof that Cinna really wanted her to become the Mockingjay, which we knew because of his Mockingjay dress and catching fire. But anyway, the fact that the prep team is there is proof that Cinna wanted Katniss to become the Mockingjay. But go ahead, continue, Asia. Yeah, so then when Katniss discovers them, she obviously, she feels very bad for them because Katniss ultimately doesn't believe in that idea of like an eye for an eye, like... And they are kind of treating them worse because they're capital people. Like, she even says, like, they don't even understand the idea. Like, they've never had to go without and, like, starve like she has. So, of course, they are going to struggle with it more than she would, for example. But she also just kind of starts to think about this idea of, you know, if we just treat the capital people as less than us, like, that ultimately just makes you just as bad as the people in the capital. Because just like they see themselves as above the districts, you can't see yourself as above everyone else. And ultimately, she thinks, like, they should be working more towards, like, equality and equity and not revenge. And this is something that, for me, what I mainly remembered about Mockingjay is this is what starts to really cause a rift between her and Gail because Gail doesn't really seem to have that same idea. He does kind of seem like he wants revenge. He wants to get back at the Capitol for all the terrible things that he that they've done to him and all of his, his family, the people of District 12. And Gail even is kind of upset with Katniss for sticking up for her team and being like, we need to get them out of here. Like, they don't deserve this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. They have, like, a fight over it. It lasts for, like, a day or two. And Gail is very much towing coins line on that. Again, sort of a red flag because Katniss is fighting with Gail over one thing and Gail is saying everything coin is saying. So by extension, Katniss is fighting with coin. And... Like, he even has, like, the communicuff. He's, like, very much, like... And Katniss even says, she says that in some ways District 13 is even more controlling than the Capitol. Yeah, we're getting lots of red flags from Coin, like we said earlier. And, or at least she is, she does seem to be aggressively rubbing Katniss the wrong way. And... Katniss feels almost like Coin doesn't even really want to have to need her to be the Mockingjay. Like, she wished she didn't have to deal with, like, this teen, this moody teenager who she can't really control. But, of course, Coin is stuck with her because Katniss is the face of the rebel movement. But Katniss does like her assistant or grows to like her assistant, Boggs. But she does not like Coin, And neither, neither do I, and I think Charles doesn't like her either. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't like Coin, but I don't think I realized how much I didn't like her the first time I read it. Like, I think reading it now, I'm like, ooh, yeah. she's a little aggressive. Like, that will be skipping ahead. I'll save that for the next episode. But I think we should a little more talk a little more about the propos. So those are the propaganda spots. So obviously, as we know, Katniss is pretty bad when she's staged. So they take her into the field, and she does a lot better in real life. We have the if we burn, you burn with us, which, as Asia would say, is a very iconic line. Iconic. Iconic. It is iconic. And then morale is lifted because the propos start to get, like, a lot better. But then their morale is immediately deflated because the anti-propo from the capital showing PETA being tortured arrives. And that pushes them into the lockdown 
because Katniss, I mean, Katniss, PETA warns them that 13 is about to get bombed. And then Katniss is like completely heartbroken because she realizes that every punishment for her will be inflicted on PETA. Yes, and let's let's first back up and kind of talk about some things about Gail and the other propo stuff first, because when one of the propos that they shoot in 12, Katniss sings the very, very famous Hanging Tree song that became like, I still can't believe that they made that into like a pop song and played it on the radio. Like, it is such a dark song. Wasn't it Lord singing it? No, no, it's it's, I almost said Katniss Everdeen. It's Jennifer Lawrence singing this song, but they like did like, you know, like an EDM remix or whatever of it, of the song. It's literally. Are you, are you coming to the. Like, and it has yeah. like, so oh, like, terrifying. it turns into like a, they made it like a dance song. <laughs> are you. Are like, you, and the song is like, Katniss explains it. Coming to the <laughs> okay. tree. Coming to the tree. <laughs> I didn't know Charles could beatbox or attempting to beatbox. But anyway, back to the Okay, I can be boxed. Back to the story. Asia, we've been best friends for how many years? And you know, okay. Back to the story. Katniss gives a really good explanation of the Hanging Tree song. And it's basically about a man who's been sentenced to die. And, you know, at first, like the first couple of lyrics, it kind of seems like he's calling out to his lover to run away. And this man's been, he's being punished because he like murdered three people or something. So that's why he's being hung. And it seems like he's running for his lover to, like, run away. Like, maybe she's involved in it. But then he's telling her to meet him at the tree. And then by the end of the song, he's basically saying, like, wear a necklace of rope and, like, come hang by me. So, like, basically escape into death. So it's, like, a very, very dark song. And so I just... (laughs) I always find it funny that it like became this pop sensation when the I because this is when it, the first movie came out part one because I'm just like this is literally about people hanging themselves and they made a pop song about it but okay but what I really wanted to mention is that Gail is kind of already in command at 13 because of his skills and this is something that for me, I do remember reading this for the first time where this is where I was ultimately like, Gail is not the right person for Katniss because they just ultimately have such a different way of thinking about the world because Gail is always like praised for how like he can think like the enemy, like which is why he's so good at like capturing animals and his snares. But by doing this and having that kind of instinct to always kind of think like the enemy and think like the bad guy, it kind of takes away some of his humanity and like compassion because he ultimately has to kind of cross that line to get into the mind of like the evil side. And like, it's just really dark. Like the example he, I I don't know if we're talking about this later, but I just wanted to bring it up right now. He, one of the like major things is that he talks about the, bombing and how he says like you send one bomb in first you allow for aid to come in and then you send in a second bomb once the like doctors have arrived to kill more to have the most casualties and it's just like okay yes maybe from a war perspective like that's really effective but like just to even think like that like you you've lost some of your humanity that you've that you you're able to think like that and also just think about it like so like 
coldly, like without any like value for human life and just be like, well, we want to do this because we know it'll cause the most, we'll take out the most amount of people. And like, that is kind of how Gail is, which like Katniss is not like that at all. Like, so that's why it's- It's very matter of fact for Gail. Like he's, it's very, yeah. And Katniss, like- She's way more mixed, has more mixed feelings about it. She's like, those are still people. Yeah. And she's like, Gail doesn't know what it's like to kill someone because- yeah. And she also, I think part of it is that Gale, like, especially because he's doing this transition from hunting animals to going to a tactical war room where he's not actually acting to physically kill people in Katniss because the first time she killed someone was in an arena where she, like, literally had to see the person. I guess she doesn't count, like, Mar- Glimmer as her first kill, but, like, Marvel, so the guy in dist- from District 1 in the first book, after he kills Rue, Katniss, like... She knows that she is going to kill him. And so now every death afterwards, she's actively thinking about it as a death. Even if it's like a bomb, she's thinking about every single person. Whereas Gail, he's never individually killed someone. So for him, it's just a number. And Katniss even recognizes it, which is like you said, good reason that they don't belong together. Because Gail, it's a, his instinct is to go to a cold place and it's not, and Katniss is, like, trying to hold on to humanity and be like, we can't forget who we are in order, like, we can't sacrifice who we are just to, like, win the war kind of thing. Which, like, for me, like, it's not necessarily, like, one is better than the other based on the circumstance. It's just the idea of, I remember, like, even as a 12, 13-year-old reading the book, being like, they don't belong together. They don't even think the same way. Like, they that's don't think the totally same incompatible. Well, well, we'll get more to that in the next book for sure. With the second half of the book. But- Oh, yeah. I can't speak. Anyway, second half of this book, we'll definitely get into their, like, mindsets even more. Well, actually, later at the end of this episode even. But that's actually a good segue to the lockdown. So we have the lockdown, and Katniss goes to look for Finnick because she needs Finnick's company because she's just realized that, like, PETA is there to be punished for Katniss, that Katniss won't act up. And so she can, like, relate to Finnick because obviously Annie's been captured as well. And, like, she goes and Gail, like, gets jealous. Like, one, like, she notices that Gail notices in the middle of the night. And then Gail says something to her later on. Like, he's literally jealous that, like, she might like Finnick. Well, he doesn't say that she likes Finnick. She said he's worried that Finnick had his eye on her. That's what he says. Okay. Well, but still, I, I know way. I know you're, what you're saying. Okay, that actually feeds into my point better. Um, I wonder who might that remind us of? Yes, we know. The terrible, worst character on the planet. Jacob worst Black. character in written, <laughs> Jacob Black. But yeah, I, I did. I wanted to say the same thing because Gail just kind of like, especially the difference with this book and the other books is we're kind of finally really getting a lot of Gail and Katniss time because obviously the first book, they've established that they have a long relationship, but... Katniss immediately goes into the Hunger Games. She's with Peter the whole time. Then the book ends. Like, we don't really get her and Gail's relationship at all on, on the page. Catching Fire, she's, Gail's, like you said, not really talking to her because he's jealous of Peter and, like, their relationship is confused anyway. And then, boom, she goes in the arena again and then the book's over. So, like, we still don't really get anything with Gail. So this is the first, like, book where we're, like, all we're getting is Gail and Katniss because Peter's not even in this book. So, like, he's not even here yet because he's captured by the Capitol. So all we're getting is Gail and Katniss, Gail and Katniss. And Gail's just constantly being annoying because all he wants is Katniss all to himself because, you know, Peter's out of the picture. So it's like, this is my chance. And then 
you know, finally they decide that they're going to get Peta, Joanna, like they're going to go try to rescue the victors from the capital. And of course, Gail volunteers on the mission without telling her because he knows that the only reason Katniss like gives him attention is when she's worried about him, which is just so selfish. Like, and he even admits to it later on about he's like, you only kiss me like when I'm in pain or like when you're worrying about me. And I'm like, what a manipulative thing to do. Like I understand, also again, what we have to emphasize is Gil is also two years older than Katniss and he's acting like a child. Like, you know, cause just like how we talked about PETA at the end of the Hunger Games when he kind of reacted badly because his feelings were hurt, but PETA had the maturity to, you know, come and like they apologize. had- a, Apologize. they had a conversation about it. And Gail's just basically like, yeah, I did that terrible thing and I'm gonna keep doing it. And I'm older than oh. you, and I'm supposed to be more mature. Like, terrible. Oh my God, I have so much to say. I have so much to say. Okay. So one, also on the PETA thing, he asks to be friends. He's still in love with Katniss. He's never going to be happy unless he's with her. But after, he's like, maybe the if I want her to, like, love me back, she should see me as, like, a human rather than another tribute, and then her way out of the arena, and then her acting partner. And so they do things as friends and they get to like each other as friends, as well as lovers and as well as like partners. Kat, Peta, I can't say him, Gail, doesn't want that. Gail, they were completely platonic for their four years of knowing each other. And then all of a sudden he's like, just kidding, I've been in love with you forever. And now he demands, expects a change without, but when Katniss is like, I'm confused, he doesn't think, like, maybe we should, like, spend social time together. Because they've never spent social time together. All they did was hunt. They they relied on each other, but they weren't, like, friends in that way. Like, they you, they were support systems. Well, but, like... Yeah, Gail also brings up, because I think, like, near the end of this reading, kind of, Katniss is like, when did you... Because they kind of talk about, like... Because this is, I think, Oh, my he, God. Yeah. He does... Oh, my God. Yes. This, oh, uh, this is when uh, he's, uh, like... Because she's, like... This is when he's like, I, you only kiss me when I'm, when you're like worried about me or when I'm in pain. And he's like, that's like kissing someone who's drunk. It's not real. And then she's like, how would you know if you kissed a lot of girls? And he's like, yeah, you know, behind the school, all these things. If he's been kissing all these girls. And then she's like, so when did I become this big deal that like you're in love with me now? And he's basically like, like six months before she got called to go to the Hunger Games. So like that within that year. Basically, um, is his name Darius? Like the head peacekeeper or whatever was like making jokes, which it's hinted in this book or not hinted. It's very blatant that the head, the old head peacekeeper of district 12 used to, um, give women. That's not Darius though. Darius was just a peacekeeper. The old peace head peacekeeper was someone else. Darius was the redhead who became the Avox. Okay. He's like one of the nicer peacekeepers. The head peacekeeper was the one who had, who, um, like bought women. Yeah. Bought women. Okay, so I'm getting confused. But anyway, Darius, like, made a joke, like, kind of, like, a sexual joke of, like, or, like, about how he's, like, oh, like, the women pay for my kisses or something. And Gail was, like, and then I just decided, or, like, I realized I'm minded. And I was, like, first of all, Katniss doesn't belong to you, but whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, I gotta gotta say, possessive. Gail wants to possess Katniss, and his interest in her is based out of jealousy of possession, not out of actually being interested in her. I wonder who else that's... Oh, it sounds like Jacob Black. It sounds exactly like Jacob Black. Just wanting to possess Katniss rather than be with Katniss. And then him demanding... And then when Gail goes and volunteers for the mission, 
it's, um, you know, exactly like when Jacob Black says, I, I'm going to let myself get killed in this battle unless you kiss me. I mean, he doesn't say that unless you kiss me, Pitt, but like, that's the implied bit. Wait, because we already know, like we said, Jacob Black is on the level way up here for being terrible. And then Gail's a little bit below him. So he's a little (laughs) bit better, just a wee bit better. Only because Gail has some skills. And Gail is also just like, he doesn't, he does all the, like the manipulation, but he doesn't cross the physical lines that Jacob does, which we don't have to get into that. But then Katniss kind of like Bella is like, she only kind of kisses, like we said, we only, she only kisses Gail when he's in pain because she ultimately doesn't love him like that. Like she sees him as like a brother, (laughs) the same thing as Bella and Jacob, like, and in that moment, she's just thinking of being selfless because she she does care for Gil. Yeah, it's because Peta. She's like Peta will never love me again. Peta like it's a, it's when New Moon. I mean, yeah, New Moon when New Moon when, when Edward, Edward leaves, and she's like, well, the one person I want to be with is not available to me. So should I just be selfless and give myself to the other person who'll be happy because of it? I can't believe how many parallels were there were. I would have never thought about that. Well, this is why we're doing this podcast. Well, also because I guess, like I said, I never, I wouldn't have put Gil on the same level as Jacob, but, like, wow, he's really up there for being pretty awful. I mean, like, in terms of, like, they don't beat people. Like, I mean, actually, Jacob <laughs> Jacob does assault Katniss. P- <laughs> Jacob does assault. <laughs> <laughs> A crossover. <laughs> A crossover of Jacob does. A Jay. <laughs> Ooh, predator. Okay. Uh, Jacob does assault Bella like physically and like when he forces his like violent kisses on her mentally and emotionally but like like it's not like they're serial killers they're not terrible like they're not terrible whereas i think they're just i think gail is a worse person in that sense of like his thoughts of like killing people i think gail's gail has a more tendency towards evil jacob has an immaturity to him yeah and also all of his bad things come from, like like you said, his possessiveness of Bella, whereas Gail, which I said, for me, that's why I'm like, I feel like I didn't, what I remember about Gail is like, I was like, Gail is not, doesn't seem like the best person. Like, he seems like, I, I wouldn't agree with how he thinks with things. Like, maybe some other people would. But like, for me, I would be like, to me, he seems like he has the wrong thought process of like, not valuing human life. I mean, even how, like you just said, like we said about how Katniss is like, he's never even taken someone's life. Like, he doesn't even know what that feels like, and he's talking about mass murder. Like, that was just kind of always what I remembered him as, but I, like, just, I feel like I just didn't pick up on as much about, or I I think, like I said, I think I just didn't remember because, like, I don't, I was, I don't understand why anybody would be Team Gale. Like, he's clearly wrong. But what makes Gale different from Jacob is that we, we hate Jacob pretty much from the beginning because... He's just kind of like always making, even at the very beginning, like in Twilight, like how he like thinks about, how he talks about um, Bella and like reference her, like he sees her as like a piece of meat, like something to possess, like not a real person. But like we said, he gets better in Breaking Dawn after he imprints on Renesmee. So like he gets better by the end. He even Whereas gets better Gail, in Breaking honest, Dawn Part Two when when Bella when the when the pack is gonna kill. That's Bella. after the imprinting. No, he hasn't printed on. You mean part one? You part one. Part you said part two. two. There's three parts in Breaking Dawn. If I have to remind you, part two is the ones from Jacob's perspective. Oh, I'm thinking of like I'm thinking like the movies because part one is so short it doesn't exist in my brain. Okay, well, okay. Jacob gets Understood. better part two. when they're like we can't when well when they're gonna kill Bella. But 
he starts being like, maybe we shouldn't because possessive. But anyway, either way, yes, I understand. Whereas Gail to me gets worse in the books. Also, just because, like I explained before, we don't get much of Gail in the beginning. You know, you can kind of like passively dislike him because, like, the things of like, oh, he didn't want to cooperate with the cameras for Peta and Katniss or whatever. Like, but he hasn't really done anything to like really no make feelings me, like, on. G- we have no feelings Gale. on Gail he's until just, Mockingjay. There, he's just there. But like by this book now, we're really getting to see just how jealous he really is of Peta, and. We're just getting way more interactions with him with Katniss, and like none of them are like really that good. So. Totally, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm like, I don't even know. Like, if I was choosing between these two, I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah, the interactions between them, like, they haven't really had a moment where I'm like, they seem like they like each other. Like, they well, they, at least Gail's pretty to look at because we're. <laughs> well, yes, Liam Hemsworth is quite beautiful. But anyway, so after the lockdown, like we said, they decide to get the rest of the victors that are trapped in the capital. And Katniss and Finnick decide to shoot more of the propos um, to, like, do their part because, you know, they're like, they didn't get to go. And they're like, we don't know what to do with ourselves. And Katniss does okay. She tells the story of how Peta gave her the bread. But it's really Finnick who ultimately steals the show because this is where we find out that Finnick was sold by President Snow as a sex slave to different citizens in the capital. And in addition to doing that, he would say, like, for his payment, he, which he's, like, has hinted in, like, how he knows people's secrets. Like, people would tell them all their deepest, dark secrets. So he starts spilling all these secrets of all these, like, prominent capital citizens and everything. So, of course, like, people are on the edge of their seats. Like, people want to hear this. And he reveals that President Snow actually rose to power by po- uh, by poisoning his political opponents. And he would drink the poison too and just take an antidote, but the antidote wouldn't always fully work, which that's why President Snow always smells like blood because he has permanent blood sores in his mouth. So there's always that scent, which like Katniss has described, like it smells like blood when he's around, like combined with the scent of like the enhanced roses he wears to like try to cover up the scent and we also find out during this that Hamish tells Katniss that after he won his game so in the second quarter quell President Snow killed his mom his younger brother and his girlfriend for his stunt with the force field in his games and like I didn't remember this detail at all like I do not think this is in the movie at all they did not they did not talk about like the it's idea not a of movie. like like what happens to victors after the Hunger Games and how like they could just kill your family. Like, that, I didn't remember that. Because, I mean, it's also, like, it's, like, one line in the book. Like, they don't bring it up at all. So I didn't remember that. Well, as we've been talking about, like, the how it's not really a sustainable system. But, like, it sounds like they have a lot of problems with a lot of the victors. <laughs> and it's, like, maybe you shouldn't elevate. Like, if you're trying to, like, oppress people. You every year you're going to elevate one of the poor people and you're going to make them a celebrity and then they're going to come back and be a celebrity every single year. I'm like, if you're trying to like keep the districts down, you keep the districts apart. I'm like, having a victor that gets paraded around, like, is going to, like, like, as we saw with the quell, like, it causes unrest when the victors are attacked. I mean, granted, that was like mass, like, we're going to kill off 23 victors, <laughs> but like. Just the idea that the victors were, like, they're, the citizens of the capital really value them. I'm like, it's not a tenable system. I mean, 
we've already discussed the the whole idea of the Hunger Games is not a great system. Well, also, when you think about them getting to the seventy fifth Hunger Games, that means they have like seventy five winners. Like, so I mean, obviously not everyone's still alive, but you're growing this amount of people who are these district celebrities like every single year, which means it's just more people who are like rising to power who could have the power to like fight against you and have resources. So like, yeah, I mean, even that just doesn't seem the smartest, but. Also, if you think about like how people do well in the games, like we obviously know that Katniss with the berries and Hamish with the force field, but like, you know, we know that like one of the tributes in Katniss's games, like he repurposed the mines from the launching plates for their, like for the cornucopia feast. From district three. Yeah. Yeah. And when he gets, like, killed, Katniss is like, the Capitol probably hated that. that like, because, again, they're super insecure about everything. But, like, even BT, like, electrocuting people during his games, like, I feel like to do well in the games, obviously, like, the careers, you know, just by, like, killing each other off, that's one thing. And they win most of the games. But I'm like, most of the time, anyone who's not a career who wins is a total upset. And it's, like, a big deal and they get one more fame from it and two they often use an unconventional method which the capital doesn't like because it shows that they're smart people but like the whole system of like who wins the games shows off that there are strong and capable and smart people in the district who could rise Mm -hmm. up against you like the whole system makes no sense (laughs) yeah anyway i just wanted to say that because like because you mentioned the thing with Hamish, but i'm like like Hamish won the games because he was smart and then he got punished. And I'm like, maybe you should, shouldn't like elevate someone who's smart like that by putting him in the freaking hunger games, but whatever. Like we said, it's not a good system of government. So and but I did remember the one thing about Hamish because I did remember what comes after. So Katniss has her breakdown and she says that she only wants to be hugged by Hamish because he also loves PETA, which breaks my little heart into pieces. Like, she cries during when she's trying to film the propo, and she's like, the only person I want is Hamish. And he's there. Like, he knows. Like, they've become family. And that I did also remember Katniss saying that Snow has no power over Hamish until Peta and Katniss came along, because Hamish didn't love anyone until Peta and Katniss came along, and now he does. And I'm like, wow, this is so emotional. They've just absorbed Hamish into their little families, and it just... It's just so sweet. Anyway, moving on. It brings us to them saving Peta, Annie, and Joanna. But Peta's been hijacked to hate Katniss, so she goes to fight on the front line. Yeah, so Katniss goes to District 2 because she just... Peta tries to kill her, and she's like, I can't... She's like, if you still want me to the Mockingjay, I can't be here while you're trying to, like, fix him. Because, like, Snow has essentially broken her. Like, Peta is what she loves and what she wants, and now he's turn, turned him into a weapon to kill her basically so charles your favorite thing do you want to tell us what district two's industry is i thought you would never ask so publicly it's stone masonry but it's actually mostly there for weapons and peacekeeper training because they obviously lost their big weapons depot when they just let district 13 secede so this (laughs) this is we kind of already talked about this a little bit but this is also just when I kind of noticed that I was just like, I, again, I must have just been so against Gail and just blocked all this out from my memory because, like, Katniss kisses him a whole bunch now when they're in District 2. And this is when he talks about the thing of him growing feelings for her. 
And this is also where, like, at the very, this is the very end of the reading that we did that, like, I said, Gail's way too violent because basically in District 2, they have this mountain that they call the nut because it's really hard to infiltrate because it has, like, the natural terrain is hard to get through and, like, there's only few ways in. So, like, they can't just, like, bomb the doors and, like, rush in. So Gail has this idea of, what was the idea? Like, gas them? No, he wants to avalanche the to cover all the entrances so that everyone dies. So, well, he wants to cover all the entrances, and they were saying that how the building is, like, they would lose oxygen very quickly. And I think Katniss or somebody else was like, well, they can come out through the, like, train. There's, like, a train entrance. They said they can come through the track. That's how they'll be able to escape. And, like, Gail hadn't even considered that. He was just, like, the lives of the people, all those District 2 people, he was like, their lives don't matter. Like, we'll just seal them in, and they'll just all die. Like, I just, again, a different way of thinking. Because Katniss literally was like, Gail didn't even consider the lives. Like, he's just like, we'll just kill them all. Didn't want to give them an escape. Didn't want to give them a chance to surrender. Just kill them all. Like, so again, red flag, red flag. Like, Gail and Katniss are totally different people. Like, they would never work. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's completely untenable for them to, because that's literally where his mind went, was like, Let's just kill everyone inside because even if they are, like, even if they are District 2. They even talk, Katniss talks about the people from District 2 and how, like, basically, people District 2, like, they haven't necessarily been starved because, like, they're part of, like, the career districts that they have been treated better by the capital, but they still don't know excesses and, like, they get the peacekeepers from District 2, which is kind of, like, they obviously still have to work really hard and have to like they don't just live a life of luxury but they obviously had more opportunities but it's still like it's not like they're the capital that it's literally just living life in excess with no worries like they still have to go to the hunger games Games. like Like, they're still not it's not like they're being even treated close to the equality of of a capital it's just that they like get to have some privileges over the other districts but yeah but even gail's like well they have some privileges gotta go kill them I feel like I do remember, like, I remember reading that for the first time and being like, no, Gail, I, I don't, after reading that, I don't know how you could possibly be team Gail. He literally is just like, I am okay with mass murder. Like, that's literally what he just said. Well, that brings us to the end. Is there anything else you want to bring up? Actually, yes. I really wanted to talk about Prim because I just have thoughts about her. And also I wanted to note that for PETA, they, in the books, what we've read, they send in this random character named Deli from District 12 because they don't want to trigger, because, like, PETA, with the hijacking, which we didn't really fully talk about, but basically they use the tracker jacker venom to change his memories, and they've changed his memories to, like, think that Katniss is, like, trying to kill him and is, like, going to try to cause the end of the world, basically. And so they were trying to send in somebody who wouldn't trigger any memories of Katniss. But... In the movies, I'm pretty sure it's Prim who goes in to talk to Peta, right? Because, like, there's no, there's definitely not the Deli character. Like, she doesn't exist. definitely no Deli. I'm pretty sure it's Prim in the movies. But more importantly, what I wanted to say is that I think a lot of people just kind of hate on Prim as, like, being, like, this boring character. And, like, she just kind of exists and, like, Katniss is constantly trying to save her. But at least in the book, I don't really remember if they give her as many of these lines in the movie. And I do feel like she does kind of just fall into the background. But in the book, she actually has a lot of, like, wise lines. Like, again, same thing with, like, Gail. Like, 
Prim we don't really get a lot of until Mockingjay when Katniss is finally reunited with them and not in the Hunger Games. And so therefore, like, Prim kind of gets to talk to Katniss a lot. And we have to remember, like, Prim at this point is, like, 13 years old because they're, like, a year older. But she just kind of always knows what to say when Katniss is, like, freaking out. And she talks to Katniss about, like, Katniss is worried that, like, why isn't Snow, like, not killing PETA? And she's the one, like, how we said, how she tells Katniss that she can, can demand anything with coin because she's important. Like, she's just really with it. Like, she just really seems to understand. And Katniss even says, which, like, I wrote down the quote that she kind of says that Prim seems to have inherited all the best qualities from their family. And, like, she says she got her their mother's healing hands, her father's level head, and Katniss's fight. And then on top of all of that, she's able to look into the confusing mess of life and see things for what they are. Like, so she's just, like, Katniss kind of, like, because we know, like, she doesn't like their mom. Like, she rarely talks to the mom. But, like, Prim just kind of has served as, like, this, like, little guide. And, like, she's her younger sister. But, like, especially Katniss has been through so much trauma within these last two books that we've read. And, like, Prim is really there for her in, like, a very mature way. And, like, I don't know. I just feel like she's a very mature and, like, smart 13-year-old that people really underestimate. And I don't know if it's just because, like, in the movies she's not portrayed as that way that much. But, like, reading this, I was, like, I really like, I really like Prim. Like, the little bit we get of her, I think that she is a good little sister. Like, she's very supportive of Katniss. And she's just really with it. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't know if you noticed that when you read it this time. I totally, I totally noticed it because I'm a Prim hater. Well, we'll sort of get into that into the next half of the reading. But Asia knows that about me. I feel like that's probably why she included that line. That, um, yep. People hate on Prim. But I was, I actually had the same notes because I was like, Prim is really doing it for me in this read. And I did not notice that or I did not remember that, that like when I first read it. But like, she's very wise. I mean, the fact that she's like, Snow's going to do whatever it takes to break you. And I'm like, oh, Prim, okay, you're 13, you know. And, I mean, she also, like, on this reread, she delivered my favorite line of the whole series, which was, of course, we learned about coal byproducts. Okay. <laughs> so, no, I've actually, but in all seriousness, I've actually been really, I've really enjoyed Prim in the first half of this reading. And, like, I saw why Katniss loves her so much. Because we've gotten a lot of Katniss being like, I love Prim so much. I'm just like, I think about her all the time. We haven't gotten any reason for that other than like, she's my younger sister, which would have been a perfectly reasonable reason. But in the moments like this where they talk, I'm like, oh, like there's more than just their sisters. I think also Katniss even says like she, Prim is transformed. Like she's grown up. Katniss has been trying, Katniss essentially has been trying to protect Prim her whole life from being forced to grow up early, which is like, it's just inevitable now that they're at war. But like, even though Prim might've been forced into doing that and not being able to like be a kid, like she's done it very, very well. And I think Katniss is like, maybe Prim didn't need all this protection. Like she can hold her own kind of thing. And she like respects well, that. Yes. Except that Prim would have died in the Hunger Games, but well, yes. not the Hunger Games specifically, but just like all this, uh, the emotional like. But Katniss toil. has been trying to emotionally hide her too, yeah. And also, just like especially, like I said, Katniss doesn't have a good relationship with her mom, their mom. So like, Prim is kind of really serving as that like rock in the family of like someone she can talk to. Because I mean, Prim, that's why she's even like she's like you can talk to me, like I can like help you, I can be someone that will listen to you. 
and, and Prim she, has Prim does have a relationship with her mom. Like Prim is the glue in their family. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that does it for us, though, because that is the end, and we'll get into Prim hate next week. No Prim hate, but we'll see how I feel because right now I don't hate Prim, but we'll see how I feel reading the second <laughs> half of Mockingjay. So, speaking of which, we're going to read the second half of Mockingjay. So, if you do read along with us, finish the book for next week. And as always, if you have any predictions, theories, or questions, or you just want to keep talking to us about The Hunger Games more, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty and facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabonia on Twitter and at asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at C.E.Shilin on Twitter and at Seashells on Instagram. And remember, we're podcasts, so if you enjoyed this, rate and review the podcast, share it with your friends, and of course, check out the other amazing podcasts on the Nerd Party Network, and make sure you're subscribed to ours so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe, and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.